Oh, well, let's start our time together. Let's pray real quick. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, you are so good. God, we love songs like that because they stir something up inside of us. And Father, I believe that's because all of us, we desire a love like that and an unconditional, no matter what kind of love. And so God, we take a moment and we thank you because God, we can find that kind of love in you. Father, that's what we are made for, to love you and to be loved by you. So God, I pray right now in this moment that our response to your love would be that in this moment together that we have, that we would, we would soften our hearts Lord, that we would open up our hearts, that we wouldn't let pride rob us of what you're going to show us and teach us in this moment so that we can step into the fullness of life, especially when it comes to something as, as tricky and complicated as marriage. God, teach us. Help us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you can probably guess from that song that we just sang uh, that I'm a few days late, but what we're going to be talking about today is on marriage. I know I'm a few days late on this because Valentine's Day just, just happened a few days ago, but I thought it would be fun as we opened up our time together if we started by reading some quotes from famous folks and kind of see their take on this whole love and marriage kind of thing. I mean, they're famous. They must know things, right? So check this out. Journalist Helen Rowland, she once wrote this on, on marriage. She said, marriage is like twirling a baton, turning handsprings, or eating with chopsticks. It looks easy until you try it. Make sense? How about this? Uh, Frank Sinatra, he wrote and he, he sang songs about love and marriage. He must know a thing or two. He once said this. He says, a, a man doesn't know what happiness is until he's married. By then it's too late. <laughs> Ooh, you're wrong to laugh at that one. <laughs> How about this? If you're a romantic, I found a poem from Ogden Nash. He writes this kind of to give you some advice for your marriage. He says, to keep your marriage brimming with love in the loving cup, whenever you're wrong, admit it. Whenever you're right, shut up. It rhymes, so it must be true. And you think about all that ad advice, and doesn't that make marriage sound swell? Or does it make marriage sound miserable? See, I, I started with reading those because I think that's a good reflection of where our world, what our culture thinks of, of marriage, and it's, it's not good. I think our world today, we like the idea of marriage. We just don't think it could be good, or at least it couldn't be good for very long. It's not going to make it. It's not going to last, and so we come up with advice like that. Actually, you know, the best, the best marriage advice that I have ever heard, it was actually given to my wife, Natalie, back when we were engaged, and no, the advice was not run away, Okay. But back when we were engaged, uh, Natalie flew in from out of town to my hometown where my parents were throwing us an engagement party. And so this party is full of people that have known me since I was a kid. They never met Natalie before. But it was at this party that this sweet little old church lady, and I mean she is nothing but if not proper, right? Like she always wore her Sunday best. She always had a bow in her hair or a, a sun hat on. She was always very kind and soft-spoken and sweet. She was all about propriety. I mean, the gift that she gave us for our wedding was actually a very nice lace tablecloth that came in this very fancy box with, uh, with flowers silk painted on it. That's the kind of lady this was. Well, she, having never met Natalie before, pulls her aside at this party and, and looks at Natalie and says, listen, when the two of you get into an argument, just be naked. <laughs> he can't argue with you if you're naked. <laughs> 10 years later, she was right. I, God bless that woman. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> you're clapping. You should be writing that down. Just, that's marriage advice. How about this? Here's some, some real advice that, I, that I, I looked up to. It comes from Ruth Bell Graham, the wife of famous evangelist Billy Graham. She once said this. She said, a good marriage is the union of two forgivers. 
See, that one hits home, doesn't it? That one rings true to us because we all know when it comes to marriage, that would help, wouldn't it? Things like forgiveness and and openness, but humility and forgiveness, those would be essential things to a good marriage. Why do we know that down to our core? It's because I think we've all experienced this. We all know this is true, that when it comes to marriage, the stakes are so high, aren't they? I mean, that's why for years, you and I have heard about the, the high divorce rates in our country Here's what I think is interesting, though. Did you know over the last few years, the the number of people that get divorced year over year, it's actually going down. There's fewer people getting divorced each year. Now you you hear that and go, well, that sounds great, Tim. What are we doing? Well, you got to look at why the divorce rates are going down. The divorce rates are going down because the number of people that get married in the first place is also going down. People are looking at marriage and they're, they're opting out because the stakes are just too high. So it matters to do what we're going to talk about when it comes to marriage. Obviously, if you're in here today and you're married, clearly this one's for you. But I want to put a pause here for a second. If you're in here and you're not married, maybe one day you want to be married. This one is still for you. You need to take some notes as we open up God's words. You need to see what God has to say about what marriage actually is. And you need to look at some things that maybe you need to work in and grow on before you ever hit the altar. And then I know there are some of us in here, and the, the reality is there are some of us in here that we've got no, we, aren't, we aren't married and we've got no interest in ever getting married. That's fine. I still think you need to lean in on this because truth be told, one day your friends who are married, they're going to hit a rough patch. And you being the good friend that you, you want to be for them, you want to be ready with God's view of marriage, God's advice on marriage, not worldly advice, Right? Because let's be honest, all throughout history, the world has never gotten this marriage thing right. In fact, 2,000 years ago, when Jesus walked on the face of the earth, things weren't that different for him either. Jesus walked around in a world, in a culture filled with people who all thought marriages just weren't going to make it, that marriage could never last. It would never be a good for very long. In fact, the the most popular opinion during Jesus' time on marriage was that a man was allowed to divorce his wife for any reason, okay? I mean any reason. Like, so if she cheated on you, divorce her. If she spent too much of your hard-earned money, divorce her. If she's a Raiders fan, divorce her twice. You have to make sure that sticks. <laughs> How about this? But for any reason, uh, a man during this time, it was common practice that men would divorce their wives for something as simple as burning toast for breakfast in the morning. Ladies, how would you like that pressure every single day? See, it's not that different from what we have today, except now because of equality, ladies, you get to divorce your, your, your husbands as well, right? Equality. It's not that much different, is it? In fact, we can divorce each other for any old reason. We put it on paper. We call it a no-fault divorce. Honey, the toast is burnt. So is this marriage. That's the world that Jesus walked in. And so Jesus gets confronted about this one day. A group of Pharisees, these are the the Bible scholars, the Bible experts of the day. They walk up to Jesus and they confront him on this this very topic. And they say, Jesus, what do you say? You talk a big game about knowing the Bible. Jesus, what do you say? Is it right? Is it lawful? In other words, is it right in the the eyes of God for a man to divorce his wife for just any old reason? And look at what Jesus, how he responds to the book of Matthew. It says, haven't you read the scriptures, Jesus replied? They record that from the beginning, God made them male and female. And he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two, but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. Now, here's what I think is interesting. Jesus gets asked about divorce, and what's his answer? Marriage. Specifically, he points back all the way to the very beginning of creation, the very beginning of the Bible in Genesis, when God united Adam and Eve together, when he joined them together. It's almost as if Jesus is trying to remind them and remind us that marriage 
is not man's idea. Like, if, I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but marriage is not from the government. It's not the government's ploy to get you to build the, the nuclear family or to get you a tax break, because I still don't know how that one works. If someone wants to explain to me that after service, that'd be great. No, marriage is not man's idea. Marriage is God's. That means if, if you were married or you are married, that when you stood at that altar, you were not making a, a, an arrangement, a, a union between you and your spouse and that priest or that pastor or somebody from the government. You weren't making a, a union between them and, and the dude you found from Craigslist who was ordained by the Universal Life Church of the Order of the Phoenix or whatever. No, you were united, according to Jesus, you were not united together by God Almighty. Friends, that is not a cheap thing, is it? That's what marriage actually is. Now, here's the problem, though, because I can guess in, in a place like this, there are a bunch of us in here that when I say the word marriage or when we hear Jesus talk about marriage, we don't think good things, do we? No, your mind immediately runs. When I say the word marriage, your mind immediately jumps to a, a broken home, a lot of yelling, a lot of anger. Your parents split, and, and it tore you up, didn't it? Maybe you used to be married and it didn't just not work out when marriage fell apart, but man, it, it left some major damage on you, didn't it? And you're going, why would I ever do that? What could ever be good about marriage? Some of us in here, man, we've been in some really serious dating relationships and when it fell apart, you got left holding the emotional baggage, didn't you? And now you sit here and you have this thought creeping into your head of going, marriage? If this is the damage that dating to me, why would I go any further past that and go to, to marriage? So you really need to hear this. If that is all marriage is, if marriage is just two people getting together while the getting's good and then when it's not, it's not. If marriage is just something that I'm supposed to tack onto my life or that somebody else is supposed to tack onto to theirs until we get tired of each other, if that is all marriage is, I'm out. I wouldn't touch it either, would you? Unless marriage is something more. And really, that's what Jesus is getting at in this conversation with these Pharisees. He would look at them and he would look at us and say, marriage is more than we have made it out to be. I mean, it's just different, isn't it? Marriage is, is more than we've made it out to be because here's, here's the thing. He goes all the way back to Genesis and says, here's what marriage is. It's two added together, united together to make one. Marriage is not about addition. It's about subtraction, right? You add two people together and you get one. And I know that math, it ain't mathing. Doesn't make sense, Right? Well, this is what I love later on in the New Testament in the book of Ephesians. They com that book comments on the same verse in Genesis that Jesus just quoted, and it explains this for us a little bit. Check this out. The book of Ephesians says this. The first part's going to sound familiar. We just read it. It says, as the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. You see, marriage... Is meant to show off Jesus. Marriage is meant to show the world and really the people around you and me. It's meant to show the love that Jesus has for us, the way that Jesus has united himself to the church, to his people. Well, how did Jesus do that? What did he do to, to do that for us? Well, it's the same reason we walk in this room every single week and worship and praise him. It's because Jesus, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, he stepped down from his throne in heaven to deal, to address the curse of sin and death that kept us separated from him disunified from him. How did he do that? He lived a life that you couldn't live. He lived perfectly without sin. He lived a life that you and I couldn't live and he paid a price that we couldn't have paid. He died on the cross to pay the price for our sins so that we could be reunited with him. And you need to pause there for a second and think about this. Why would he do that? That wasn't a good deal for him, right? He got the short end of the stick. I mean, he laid down his life and in return, he got me. 
Ask my wife, I messed up. That's not a fair deal. So why would Jesus do that for you and me? There's only one reason, right? Love. Self-sacrificing kind of love. And so the Bible is really clear that at the foundation of our marriages, it's supposed to be that kind of love. Marriage is two people united together by God and together you love, you know Jesus and you make Jesus known through the way you love each other, through the way you serve each other. So you need to think about this for a moment. In your marriage right now, in the marriage you want in the future, are you showing that? Do you show off Jesus in your marriage? And if you're not sure, then let's reflect for just a second. You need to kind of do some introspection. I want you to reflect and think about this. Answer this question, okay? In my marriage... Do I want Jesus to do something for me that I'm not willing to do for my spouse? It's a really good question to ask. In my marriage, do I want Jesus to do something for me that I'm not willing to do for my husband or for my wife? And you go, okay, Tim, that's a weird question. What do you mean by that? Well, let's think this through. What is something you want, everybody wants Jesus to do for them? We all, we all want Jesus to forgive us, don't we? We will all want his forgiveness. And the Bible says that he's faithful to do that. He will forgive you when you confess, when you own up to your sins. That's good news. That's what I want from Jesus. Am I willing to do that for my spouse? Am I willing to do that for my wife? Are you willing to do that for your spouse? I want forgiveness from Jesus. I want him to give that to me, but, but am I willing to give that to my spouse? You know what else you want from Jesus? You don't want just forgiveness. You also want mercy, don't you? Of course you do. Forgiveness is cool, but man, mercy, you want mercy because you don't want God to crush you. You don't want God to punish you for the wrong things you've done for your sins. You want his mercy, but here's the problem. When my wife messes up or when your spouse wrongs you, how many of us, we lay into him. Oh, we're gonna forgive him in a little bit, but first I need to talk to him. I need to let them know just how much they, they've messed things up, how much they've wounded and hurt me. I'll forgive him, but I won't give him mercy. But I want God to give me mercy. What about this? You from God, from Jesus, you want forgiveness, you want mercy. You know what else you want from God? You want grace. God, I'm so sorry. I know I said I would never do that again, and I did. God, I messed up again. God, please give me grace. Don't quit on me. God, don't walk out on me. And he never does. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Jesus will stick closer to you than a brother. But again, when it comes to our spouse, Jesus hasn't quit on you, but if you quit on them, have you checked out on your wife, checked out on your husband? You look at them, you don't say it out loud, but you look at them and you think to yourself, man, they, they gave up on this relationship a long time ago. They stopped trying, so why should I? You don't say that out loud, you just give them the silent treatment, don't you? You just pull back. When you think about it, aren't you glad that, that God doesn't treat us the way that we treat our spouses sometimes? Friends, it's time for you and I to exchange the cheap view of marriage that the world sold us a long time ago. It's time to drop that, and it's time to pick up this better way, this better, better definition of what marriage actually is according to Jesus, and that is two people united by God Almighty, loving and serving each other. Till death do you part. That's what Jesus is getting at in this conversation with these Pharisees. But the Pharisees, they missed the entire point of this. They go, no, Jesus, you already answered our question, and we got you this time, because Jesus, you just said, never get divorced. But you messed up, Jesus, because back in the Old Testament through Moses... It's in the law that we are allowed by Moses, by the Old Testament, we're allowed to get divorced. Explain yourself now, Jesus. And so Jesus, because he's God, he's got an answer for this. Look at the next verse. Here's his response. He says, yeah, it says, Jesus replied, Moses permitted, he allowed divorce only as a concession to your hard hearts. But it was not what God had originally intended. 
I heard another pastor years ago teach on this very story, and he said something that, it doesn't haunt me, but it, it definitely has bothered me ever since. See, what this, this pastor kind of highlighted here was that what Jesus is talking about in the story, what he's saying is that the greatest threat to your marriage, it is not the culture we live in. It's not the day and the age that we live in. The greatest threat to your marriage, it's not divorce papers. It's not even an affair or text messages or a conversation with somebody else. Those are all just symptoms of the real problem. And this is what should bother some of us. This should sober some of us, uh, some of us up because truth be told, what Jesus is saying is that the greatest threat to your marriage is right here in this room with you. It's a, it's a hard heart. Stubbornness. And we're all capable of that, aren't we? Stubbornness, a hard heart. It's, it's when you have unmet expectations in your relationship. It's when resentment begins to grow and, and your communication begins to break down and you stop talking to each other, you stop serving each other, you stop loving each other, you just get stubborn. Think about your fights that you get in. Wasn't a hard heart on one of your parts or both of your parts, wasn't that the real issue? You being stubborn, that's what started the fight. You guys being stubborn, that's what escalated the fight from, from just talking loudly to yelling and to screaming. For some of us, stubbornness is why the fight didn't just last a few minutes. It lasted days or weeks or months. Or for some of us, it never ended, did it? Because you were stubborn. Think about the biggest fight, the big one that you and your spouse, the big fight that you and your spouse ever got into. What, what was it over? It's probably something important, right? Like, like money and finances. That's important. I'm sure you got in a fight over something important about how you guys were spending time together or weren't spending time together. I'm sure you, you got in a fight over something important, like how are we gonna raise these kids? I mean, goodness, are we gonna raise these kids to root for the Chiefs or the Cowboys? Both are wrong, by the way. Raise your children to watch baseball. It's America's pastime, just saying. I'm sure you fought over something really, really important, and I'm embarrassed to tell you that the, the big one from my wife, Natalie, and I, the thing that had us at each other's throats, it wasn't that important. The thing that, that got us in a big fight was teaspoons. That's right. Not even full-size spoons. We really messed it up. Teaspoons. It was the first house that we'd ever bought. Uh, and we, we, as we were moving in, we decided that we were going to keep our teaspoons in a little mug on the counter. Natalie wanted the mug here. And I wanted the mug here. Two feet felt like a million miles to us. We talked about it. We argued about it. And instead of really addressing the issue, we both walked away going, well, they're wrong and they're going to see that I'm right in a minute. And so for weeks, and I'm talking four, five, six, I think maybe even seven weeks, whenever the other person wasn't looking, <laughs> back and forth for weeks on end, we didn't talk about it because we were both stubborn. And you can imagine in our, in our little first house that we ever owned, you can imagine as the, the tension was building, the pressure was rising like a ticking time bomb in this little house of ours. And I'm ashamed to say I set it off after a few weeks. That's right, because I'm smart. We're putting the dishes away one night after all this has gone on, and I made what I thought was a funny joke in the moment. It was not funny, I was told later. But we're putting the dishes away, and I went, honey, you don't even know where the dishes go in this house. And then she murdered me right there in the kitchen. That was the end of me. No, I, uh, fellas, you know what I mean. I started it, but she ended it right then and there. All because we were stubborn. What are you going to do, though, when, when you guys being stubborn is not about <laughs> teaspoons? What are you going to do when it, it is actually about something important for you guys? When you're both stubborn about your careers, 
When you come to a point, a realization, when you figure out that both of you just aren't going to be able to chase after your, your dream job, your, the career you've always wanted, it's only going to be one of you. Who's going to get it? Stubbornness isn't going to help, is it? What are you going to do as you guys have been stubborn and now things at home are going off the rails because the kids have figured it out and figured out that they can play you guys against each other and it's working because you have hard hearts and you're stubborn. What are you going to do when you're both stubborn and you get into a, a, a tough financial position? Or maybe for you, you realize, what are you going to do when you realize you've been stubborn for a long time and you've been cutting each other down with your words? It started out as little jokes, but years later, it's just one nagging, biting little comment day in and day out. Truth be told, a hard heart, stubbornness, is the greatest threat to your marriage. Why? Because if you're stubborn, you won't talk about these things. If you dig in your hills and you have a hard heart, you won't address these, these issues, this resentment, these, uh, these unresolved conflict and feelings that you have. And, and if you don't take those things, those problems, and drag them kicking and screaming out of the darkness and into the light, and if you won't talk about them because you're too stubborn to, then those issues will grow in the dark. And as they grow, so too will the distance between you and your spouse. And you will move further and further, bit by bit, day by day, further away from what God intended for your marriage, two united into one. And you'll just become roommates who just happen to share the same address and tolerate each other on a good day. Stubbornness is a marriage killer. How about this? You've got to play this through, right? What are you going to do one day if you both have been stubborn? What are you going to do when you get the phone call from the doctor and the prognosis is not good and things are about to change and you are going to have to love and serve and take care of your spouse in ways you never imagined? What are you going to do then? Stubbornness isn't going to work. How about this, maybe even before that, what are you going to do if you're both stubborn? What are you going to do when it's not their body that breaks? What are you going to do if it's their mind or their heart that breaks? I'll tell you what I mean by that. Over the last few years, I have discovered that I have a growing problem. I, I have mornings where I wake up over the, over the last four years where I wake up and emotionally, I'm just low, real low. And sometimes I have an answer for it. Sometimes I can explain it. Most times I just can't. And so because I'm a guy, I'm stubborn about that. I don't want to talk about it. And so I just grit my teeth and I fight through that and I, I figure it out. But again, that problem has grown in the darkness. And so along with the low days, I've started to get panic attacks where uh, my, my chest tightens up, my heart starts racing, my mind is running a million miles an hour and I just, I can't seem to, to grab hold of it. You know what I mean? And again, I just grit my teeth I fight my way through it. In my mind, I'm going, this is nobody else's problem but mine. So I know my, my wife and I, we're, we're, we're two united into one, but this isn't her problem. It's mine. She shouldn't have to deal with this. This shouldn't be a worry for her. She doesn't need to worry about this, so she doesn't need to know. And I'm just fooling myself, by the way. How could this not fall out on her? How could this not come out sideways on her for years? But again, I'm stubborn. And I, it was working for me until one day it stopped working there's a day I woke up and, uh, man, I hit lower than I ever have before. And if you know what that feels like, if you know what I'm talking about, you know that, man, your mind can go to some pretty rough, some pretty dark places. And so this time I couldn't, I couldn't fix it. I couldn't fight my way out of it. It was so dark I couldn't, and here I couldn't find my way home. You know what I mean? See, if you've been holding on to something or holding back something in your marriage, you might be able to relate to this. Maybe it's resentment. Maybe it's an unresolved conflict. Maybe it's, it's anger. But for me, this was it. And I broke because I was stubborn. And you got to hear this. I didn't want to talk about it because it meant that I, I was a failure. 
No husband wants to admit to their wife that they can't fix a problem. And so I had to sit Natalie down at one point and say, honey, I am so sorry. There is something so wrong and broken inside of me, and I'm going to have to get some serious help. And this help, it's going to cost us time, which we don't have. we got two little kids and two careers. It's going to cost us time. The help that I'm going to have to get, it's going to cost us financially. Like, we're going to financially have to pay because I can't get my stuff together. I have never felt like more of a burden to someone than in that moment. And I could only assume that she must be thinking and feeling the same thing about me. And so I looked at her and I said, let's just own up to it. I said, honey, I am so sorry because you didn't sign up for this. And then she looked back at me and said, of course I did. I signed up for you. I signed up for you. And I realized that's, that's what your spouse needs to hear from you. I'm with you. I stood at an altar with you. I stood at that altar in front of all of our family and our friends and God Almighty, and I signed up for you. I signed up for your sickness and for your health. I signed up for richer or for poorer. I signed up for your good days and your bad years. Some of us, when we go home today, you need to do some work. You need to put the kids down to bed. You need to turn off the TV for crying out loud. Turn off your phones. Get rid of the distractions, and you need to have a conversation There are things that that you've been holding back from your spouse. You've been too stubborn to talk about or own up to. It's time to talk about that. There's some things that both of you have been too stubborn to deal with and address. It's time to drag that kicking and screaming out into the open and talk about it. Some of us in here, man, you just need to go home and do a pulse check and look at your spouse and go, hey, how are we doing with this thing? How are we doing with this whole marriage thing? Are we showing off Jesus or just ourselves? Better yet, here's a good question to ask. How am I doing, honey? How am I doing with loving you and serving you the way that Jesus would love and serve you? How am I doing at giving you the things that I want Jesus to give me? Am I forgiving and gracious to you? Am I merciful to you? Truth be told, you can't have that conversation if you're going to stay stubborn. Don't let this ruin your marriage. Don't let this take your marriage. Don't let, you, let this rob you of it. If you would go home and have this conversation, if you would soften your heart. If you would humble yourselves and have this conversation, it would be hard, it would be awkward, but you would address things that maybe you didn't even know about that you've been dealing with for the last few years even. But you can't do that if you're going to stay stubborn. So let's say you go home and you're going to have this conversation and you're going to drag the stuff out into the open. You're going you're to be real and you're going to talk about what's going on inside of you and inside of both of you. Once you do that, where do you go then? Let's go back to the story that, that with, with Jesus where he has this conversation with the Pharisees and he's talked about, here's the new bar, here's the new standard, here's what marriage actually is. It's two united to, into one by God Almighty. Don't quit and don't give up on it. He gets done with that, the Pharisees walk away, and then his 12 disciples who know him better than anybody else, they walk up to Jesus, and they are a product of their culture. They walk up to Jesus and go, did you mean that? Did, did you really, is that really, that's not what we got told. Is That's what marriage is, is actually supposed to be? Look at how they respond the next verse. They say this, it says, Jesus' disciples then said to him, if this is the case, if that's what marriage is, it's better not to marry. Not everyone can accept this statement, Jesus said. Only those whom God helps. You gotta notice, Jesus doesn't back down. Unlike us, he is unwilling to compromise on this because he knows what's best. And so this is interesting to me. He agrees with his disciples. He goes, yeah, you know what, fellas, you're right. This is too hard. This is not for everybody. Who's it for? Only those whom God helps. 
See, this kind of intimate, two united into one marriage, it just makes sense. It is only for people who are willing to put God first in everything. God comes first before the kids. God comes first before my job or my career or my pastimes or wow, I like to spend my time. God comes first. So you have this conversation today. You take care of these issues. You drag them into the light. You talk about them. And the next thing you do, you both drop to your knees and together you ask God for help. Heavenly Father, God, would you, would you help us with what we just talked about, with what we're going through right now? We don't know if we're going to make it. Will you help us? God, you put us together. Will you keep us together? Will you humble us? God, will you give us wisdom? God, when we don't have what it takes, will you be our strength? Help us, Father. And he will. Every time. You as a couple, you need to talk to God together. You also need to hear from him together. You need to spend time on a regular basis talking to God and reading the Bible together. It's amazing to watch what happens when when the two of you get together, when you literally get on the same page of the Bible and you allow Jesus to teach both of you the same thing at the same time, you would see the two of you come together. It's part of how he unites us. So that's if you're married, you got some business, you got some work to do when you get, get home today. But if you're in here and you're not married, I hope you took some good notes. I hope that when you look at some of this stuff, when you see what God's plan for marriage is, you see the beautiful mystery that is marriage. And I hope it, it inspires you, it spurs you on to say, okay, what do I need to work on? Man, but long before I get married so that I can reach that standard, so I can hit that bar that Jesus has set on this beautiful thing called marriage, what do I need to start working on in me? Man, do I give other people the things that Jesus, that I want Jesus to give me? Am I a forgiving, gracious, and merciful person? Am I stubborn? Do I have a hard heart? Or do I serve other people? What do you need to work on now so that you're ready for the altar in the future? But either way, married, not married yet, I want you to think for just a second, what do you want your marriage to look like? Better yet, what do you want your marriage to feel like? Do you want to feel like you're united? Like two into one. Do you want to feel like a team? Do you want to feel like everybody else might walk out on you, but she won't? He won't. There's one person on this earth that will always have my back. Truth be told, with God Almighty stepping in, helping you, bringing the two into one, with God's help, you can have that kind of marriage now with his help. So let's do that now. Let's pray and ask God for his help. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, you are good, and I know that some of this, it hits a lot of us hard especially for those of us that, that have had hard hearts that are stubborn. That God, maybe we've, we've been holding on to unresolved issues and conflicts with our spouse. Maybe for some of us, there's some stuff that we, some battles we've been trying to fight all on our own that we didn't need to. God, I pray for a moment of, of clarity and courage for all of us. Lord, that when we go home, that God, we would not have hard hearts, that we would see the enemy knocking at the gates. And that, God, we wouldn't relent, that there would be no quit in us, that we would submit ourselves, that we would humble ourselves to you first. And that, God, we would, with that heart, with that attitude, God, we would have an open and honest conversation with our spouse. God, like I already know you will, be in that conversation. Lead that conversation. Give us wisdom and discernment. Lord, give us help. So that even through our marriages, Lord, we can point people towards your son, Jesus, in the mighty, mighty way that he has loved and served us. We love you, and it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.